Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. We'll go ahead and get started. Uh, Good morning everybody my name is Stephen Brown I'm an attorney with Ready and Newman PC here in Houston Texas uh, I manage our firm's litigation practice uh, along with me today is Christina Hernandez she's a senior associate here at Ready and Newman as well and she manages our non-immigrant visa practice so we host this call uh, daily in order to answer any questions anybody may have um, we'll try to get through as many as we can here in the next 30 minutes. Uh, Gareth, if you could go ahead and get us our first caller. Sure, Steven. Pranjal. Hi, uh, uh, so my company filed for an I-140 yesterday in premium processing, but my H-1B status expires. That includes my end of uh, sixth year and recapturing of of my days outside the country on Monday. And um, what would happen if my I-140 gets approved after Monday and Uh, my company doesn't file for an extension. Would another employer be able to hire me based on this I-140 and get an approval and like an extension for that? So your company has not yet filed an extension? Not yet because because they filed for I-140 yesterday in premium processing, but I lose my status on Monday and which is like eight days and USCI Mm -hmm. would take 15 days for premium processing. How long was the labor pending? Uh, the labor was pending for, it, it was filed in May the, okay. of this. Um, I would say, so I've had this situation uh, maybe a handful of times before. What I've done, and it worked for me, but it's completely discretionary, is, um, you know, hopefully the I-140 is approved sooner rather than later. Hopefully it doesn't take the whole 15 days. Um, in that instance, what I've done before is just go ahead and file, have the employer file the extension with a nunk-pro-tunk argument, um, basically explaining um, that it's um, an untimely filing. However, you were waiting for the approval of the I-140. Um, like I said, with the nunk-pro-tunk argument, it's completely discretionary. Um, so it may or may not work. It's worked for me, like I said, maybe two or three times. Um, so that is something that the employer can do. Um, but be aware that if it doesn't work, um, they may not approve the extension and then it may just be approved in consular processing where you'd have to go for stamping and come back. Or okay. if you're visa stamp, you would just have to leave the country and come back on that already existing uh, valid visa. Right. Thank you. And what would happen if my company never applies for an extension? And I, I just have, I'm left with an, an approved I-140 and I'm an H-4 dependent visa. Um, uh, you're on H-4? No, uh, currently I'm on H-1B, but it expires on Monday. And let, let's, um, yeah. So come Monday, you'll be out of status. Um, 
And at that point, you either have before Monday have to find another visa classification you're eligible for or depart the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, once the I-140 is approved, yes, another company is always welcome to file a new H-1B again. You don't have to go through the lottery or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just a matter of uh, um, you'll be out of status. So it'll take a little bit of time to get back in. But other than that, you'll be okay. And I would I would even suggest that um, if your company is planning on filing the extension once the I-140 is approved, have them go ahead and submit the LCA, you know, today or tomorrow and just get everything ready um, so that once the I-140 is approved, um, you know, the attorney can go ahead and file um, with that nunk-pro-tunk argument if, if that's how they want to proceed. So just a suggestion. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. No, thank you. Uh, guys, we got our next caller, please. Vishnu? Hi, uh, thank you for giving me a chance to ask a question. So uh, I have a question regarding the H1B transfer and the H4 EAD. As like, um, uh, I, my wife has H4 EAD right now. And if I change my employer right now, and uh, so uh, if, if my previous employer revoked the I-140, if my wife's gonna lose her H4 EAD? When was your I-140 approved? It was approved in January 2021. Okay. And it's still approved now? Yes. All right. So you're good. After the I-140, I think Ryan from our office uses the term kind of vested. Once it's been 180 days after Mm -hmm. the approval, you're fully vested in the I-140. What that means is you get all the benefits of the I-140, even if the company withdraws it. So you can use that I-140 to port your priority date to get your wife's EAD, to extend beyond the six years. Uh, the company, if they withdraw it and get it off their books, fine. You get all the benefits of it. You just can't adjust off that because it's been withdrawn, but you'll be good for EAD and everything. So so if I if I change to the new employer, right, right now, mm-hmm. so in between that uh, moving period, my wife still can use the previous approved EAD or not? Or she has to apply for the new EAD? No, as long as you're maintaining status, you're good. Uh, so, I mean, in that, between that period, right? Like, uh, if I yeah. move to the other company, is, is, is a maintaining a status or not? What, what about if you're, status? if you're working, you'll be fine. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bhavna Next Gupta? caller, please. Sure. Hi. Um, hi, Stephen. Uh, my question is related to the new USCIS uh, guidance on L2 holders not needing uh, EAD renewal or EAD at all. My EAD is in process and hence I'm not working anymore. I'm out of work. And will this new rule help me get back to work? Yes and no. Uh, it will once they redo the, the they needed 120 days uh, to create the new I-94 for L2 spouses. And they're working with CBP, uh, Customs and Border Patrol, in order to create that new I-94. Until that comes about, you still need the EAD in order to work. Um, once that comes out, you just need your L2 I-94. That's all you need. I have an I-797A. I do not have an I-94. Um, I'm assuming I-94 is the document that you need once you travel back to your country. Well, right. So when you have the approval notice at the bottom of the approvals in I-94 as well. Yeah. Okay. So that'll go. So I just need to wait for whatever. Yeah. The new policy guidance from CBP on how they're going to create the new I-94. Um, 
how because they, they, what they got to distinguish is between L2 spouse and L2 children. Um, and then how they're going to implement it for people like you who already have the L2 approval. And do you have any idea how long will that take? They have until 120 days from the date we signed our settlement, which I think was November 10th. So November. we're down to, uh, yeah. yeah. So I think I think that was the date of the settlement, if I'm remembering right. So 120 days from that is their deadline. Oh, okay. So is there a last question, Stephen? Is there a specific mm -hmm. website or a forum that I need to keep a lookout on when this is implemented? Um, I, you know, selfish plug here for our social media um you know always follow our ready and even social media accounts uh, at rn law group uh, on twitter our facebook we subscribe to our newsletter uh, christina's got a great blog uh, where she keeps up with things uh, i'm on twitter uh, at atty stephen brown um, you know that's going to be we're going to always put it out as soon as we get information on our social media platforms sounds great thank you so much yeah, thank you. Uh, next caller. Indradeep. Hi, can you hear, uh, can you hear me? Yes, yes sir. Okay, so um, I'll try to summarize my long story in a in, in couple of slides. So I filed a downgrade uh, from EB2 to EB3, which is pending right now. And with, as I have a, a 2013 uh, January priority date. So with EB3 dates moving back and, you know, you know, the whole story there, it's uh, gone a year back. Uh, now my uh, wife now qualify for an EB1 uh, filing. So, uh, I mean, she was uh, dependent when I filed for my downgrade. Now, is there an issue with two applications? One, because she most likely will gonna, she's just gonna go through the I-140, 45 together. Uh, as for the EB1. So is there, is there an issue with that? Uh, do you think it's, uh, it's going to be rejected? What are, I mean, is it even possible to have two applications, one as a primary and the other one as a dependent for the same person? I don't see any issues. Um, in fact, you know, we, we've consulted quite a bit on people wanting to go back to EB2 and filing a new EB2, you know, as the primary uh, and there's no issues with that. I, I certainly don't think there would be any issues with now your spouse filing and then you being the dependent of another employment-based green card. So I agree with Stephen. Um, there shouldn't be any issues. And I know that Raul has always said that it's possible USCIS may send an RFE saying, which um, AOS application do you want to keep? Yeah, you can't get two green cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will be happy with one. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, Thank absolutely. you. Next caller. Jayanti. Yeah, hi. Um, so I'm part of a class action suit filed by the Western Group and even the Arun Law Group. Yes, yes, correct. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so we what we heard from them is it is pending on because the judge has not been giving a ruling so far, which is not expected. So can you uh, tell like what can we expect? At least do we have a ray of hope or it's like just a waste? Like, do we have something to hope because it's been already two months, more than two months now, kind of. So... Yeah, I mean, I still, we, we still feel very good about our position. I mean, obviously, um, the problem being we can't control a judge's schedule and when they they want to make a ruling um, that's unfortunately on 
uh, on the judge himself. It's a very, uh, it is a very complex case, you know, because we are talking about almost a holistic policy issue with the agency, but uh, we still feel pretty good about our position. So do you have, I, I know you cannot, you know, predict a certain timeline, but is, do you think based on your experience, there could be some timeline which you could feel like maybe one month or two months or something within which we might get, uh, you know, ruling? Always hard to predict federal judges. I mean, I've had motions that I would expect to be decided on within a week that took months. Motions that I would expect to take months get done overnight. Um, always, I just don't know what the judge's docket looks like. You know, uh, I will say they always prioritize criminal matters over civil matters uh, just because of constitutional reasons. Uh, it's just always hard to predict what a judge, when a judge is going to make a decision. Yeah, because I feel the irony is like, you know, we already are delayed due to USCIS and then again, the court judgment is again, like delaying like, unexpectedly. So it's like, uh, you know, being a long time. Yeah, and we're, we're exploring all our options. I mean, we're texting back and forth every day. Is there a new route we could possibly go on? So please do uh, you we're have still a, working on. Yeah, feeling based on the judge's past, like, you know, what is he going to rule or, you know, is it like in favor of us or is it like something USCIS could win still telling some pandemic reason or something? like I, I think the way we've set up our argument allows the judge to not to to rule in our favor without making it difficult on the government in or you know in future litigation efforts okay so uh, one more follow-up question is earlier on the 120 days of implementation of the earlier case on EADs so uh, when you say 120 days is it like business days or is it like including Saturday Sunday and it's like a March 12th is the last date mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure I've got to go pull up but I'm pretty sure it was just 120 calendar days okay and uh, when uh, going by the history of UICS when they say something is it like they should implement but what if they don't implement it by that is it something i mean they, they have to do because earlier the premium yeah. processing also bill was passed and they never did so so, so distinguish this from the premium processing the premium processing they they've put on the regulatory agenda they've been giving authority to expand premium processing by USCIS they put it on the regulatory agenda um, but they, you know, just because it's on the regulatory agenda doesn't mean it has to come about. Remember, for three years, removing the H-4 EAD was on the regulatory agenda under the Trump administration. Obviously, that never came out. Uh, this is a settlement agreement. It's a contract. They have, they, they have, if they don't do it, we can go to the judge to get it enforced. There's, um, you know, they, if look, if they need an extra day or two, they can reach out to us and we can work with them. But it's not like this can sit there and pen um, forever with no action. Okay. Um, uh, next caller here. Manav. Hey, hi. Hi, Stephen. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. My question is related to <clears throat> automatic EAD extension. So the scenario here is that uh, my H-1B is recently approved in November and <clears throat> it's valid through uh, December 24, last week of December 24. Uh, and my wife and I filed H-4 and H-4 EAD as a content filing along with my H-1B. Now H-4 and H-4 EAD is in processing. Uh, me and my wife both <clears throat> holds Indian passport. We have valid stamp visa. 
and uh, her uh, uh, H4 EAD, H4, and my N94 is uh, valid uh, through January 2022. Now, <clears throat> to fall under the uh, automatic extension of H4 EAD 180 days rule, uh, do we need to plan a trip outside uh, US to get her H4 I94, uh, uh, you know, uh, validity increased? Uh, what are the other scenarios I can do? Christina, what do you think about travel in that situation? I mean, I know that if they get the new I-94, they'd qualify. What are your thoughts? Um, remind me again, did you say, when is your H-1B uh, valid until? My H-1B, uh, along with my stamping, is valid until, uh, no, I mean, sorry, the recent H-1B, I just mm -hmm. got approved, and it is valid through December 2024, last week. And my okay. visa, yeah, my visa is stamped on my passport, on my wife's passport, till... Uh, uh, January 2022. Okay. Um, so since you don't have to go for stamping, I mean, travel, I know we usually recommend not to travel, especially if you, if someone doesn't have a visa stamp, but if you do have a visa stamp, um, you know, there shouldn't be any issues um, unless there's something, you know, wrong with the, uh, something happens at the border at CBP. Um, however, um, yes, I think if uh, you and your wife travel, you have your um, H-1B documents and she comes in on H-4 and then that um, becomes valid until 2024, um, then she should be able to qu um, qualify for the auto extension of the EAD since she will have that valid I-94 extended as long as her EAD application was filed um, before the EAD expires. Yes, yes. So yeah, her H-4 and H-4 EAD are filed concurrently along with my H-1B. So here, I mean, for her H-4 I-94, uh, I, I have to, like, I, if I have to plan their trip outside the U.S., it would be the third country. Like, I'm planning to go to Mexico or Canada. Mm -hmm. I don't need to go to my home country because I have already valid stamp visa. So at the port of entry, like, I'm at the mercy of CBP officer to extend her I uh, H-4 I-94 based on my recently H-1B uh, I-94 or, like, like, is there any rule that he has to, or CBP officer has to approve her uh, H4 and Um, Just as long as you have your valid documentation and her valid documentation, usually it's fine. Okay, yeah, because I spoke to, you know, one of the CBP officer at Charlotte office, North Carolina. They said that they cannot approve, they cannot extend her H4 so I-94 because her H4 is still in process, even though my, uh, you know, I-129 is approved. So I'm really confused now. Should I take that so risk too? There's, there's a difference between technical and, and practical, right? So technically that CBP officer is correct. That without an approval notice or a valid visa, the I-94 is kind of discretionary for them. As a practice, I will say we have seen a good number of CBP officers. I mean, more, more often than not. I think Christine and I probably talked to at least one or two people a week who say, hey, I'm going to take this route and give them the same lecture. And I've never had anybody call me back saying, Stephen, I only got the I-94 until my uh, you know, exp visa expires anyway. Um, okay. Is that officer technically right? Absolutely. Technically, they are. I will just, and that's the one risk involved here um, mm -hmm. is that if they say, hey, we, we can't extend this, but practically, we've seen a lot of them getting approved. So it's just a matter of risk at that point that you mm -hmm. guys want to take on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. One, one last follow-up question. Let's say technically uh, we know that they are correct and they deny to extend her H4 I-94. So what would be that case? What would I have to do in that case? Do I need to file her H4 and H4 EAD again? 
I don't think you do. I think that it's pending. You'll be fine. Okay. So the, the one which are in process, H4 and HUAD, H4ED, that will continue in process. And you will. It, that was an extension, correct? Yes. Not a, yes. Okay. It, it should continue to be processed. However, I will say that we have seen a few times where, for some reason, when someone exits the country and they come back, they end up denying the H4 extension, which they shouldn't but sometimes they oh. do. So sometimes we have advised that if you leave the country and come back, maybe file another H4 and EAD just to be safe. Um, like I said, USCIS isn't supposed to deny those H4 extensions if someone leaves the country, but I mean, USCIS is full okay. of surprises. <laughs> so in that case, <laughs> if you do refile the H4 and EAD, if the first um, pair of applications get approved, you can just withdraw the second. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. And is there, is this, is this the last way to get her H4 I-94 approved or like I can take help from a congressman or because I raised a, you know, expedite request at USCIS for H4 and H4 EAD. And I mean, just a day before. So what, what should I expect out of that? Um, to be honest, the expedite requests, we don't see those um, successful too often. Um, the okay. times I've seen them successful is when the H4 applicant was like a doctor or some other kind of healthcare provider, um, COVID-19 research, you know, something like that. Um, in other cases, I haven't seen them approved, but I mean, it doesn't <clears throat> hurt to try. Um, expedite requests are completely, I mean, I've seen people that I was like, hey, no, no doubt, right? They're doing x y and z that should and then they get denied and then people who not as much so it's completely discretionary like christina was saying okay 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 no worries thank you so much for your help thank you thank you thank you next yeah, caller yeah uh so this is regarding uh uh like my uh, uh visa b2 visa extension for my parents so I had a question like there, uh, they came in last December in uh, 2020, December 27th, and their I-94 expired in June 27, uh, 2021. And we filed for extension in this June and then, uh, uh, the, and we actually requested for December 27, 2021, like for next six months. So their decision is still pending. Uh, we've not got a request so far. So I wanted to know like, uh, if the decision is pending, so first thing, how long can they legally stay? Is it like 180 days or 240 days? And then is it from the day the I-94 got expired? So um, as long as the, um, the application is being adjudicated and it's pending, they, mm -hmm. you know, they're not accruing unlawful presence. Um, as if it's adjudicated and say, for example, it's denied, they're going to be accruing in lawful presence um, one day after the denial. But if it's still processing, they should be, they're, they're legal to stay in the U.S. Okay, so- My one caveat to that would be that with you guys only requesting until December 2020, uh, December 27th, that yeah. would be kind of the last date because let's say it gets adjudicated, that's when it would expire. Um, I would kind of keep that date <clears> in mind as well. Okay, so that uh, that doesn't mean so when I calculate like from my I-140 expired date, when I calculate the calendar days, the 180 days comes to December 23, 2021. So that, that doesn't mean like by December 23rd, the uh, 
like 180 days gets maxed out, maxed out. So because we requested for December 27, we still have a chance, like we can stay till then, right? So December yeah, 27 is what you requested in that six months from the previous? Yeah, so it is approximately six months. So uh, like looking at the calendar days, it, it says like December 23. But approximately, like we did, uh, just based on the numbers. So from December twenty-seven till June twenty-seven was six months. So next was from June twenty-seven till December twenty-seven. So that's how we calculated, not the exact calendar days. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you're saying the one hundred eighty days, the six months extension actually falls on December twenty-third, not on Correct. December twenty-seven. Yeah, like requested. Yes. Um, I don't think the four days would be a problem, but I mean, I guess to be safe, maybe December uh, 23rd is probably the safest to go with then. Okay. Okay. And so the max period is actually 180 days, right? Because you know, while I just Googled, I saw like 240 days uh, is the, like we can stay after extension for 240 days, but I just wanted to know if, it, if it's 180 or 240, which one is correct? Yeah, for B2, it's usually six months. Yeah, oh. B2s you can only do for up to six months. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, if, uh, and also, like, if their visa is rejected, then from the day of denial, uh, like, how long can we stay? Like, how, within how long should they leave the country? As soon as, as possible. As soon as they can, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank right, you. We'll take, uh, we'll take one or two more calls here. Venkat? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Uh, so uh, we, I filed uh, extension by my parents and we got an RFE. Uh, so they're requesting for the uh, B2 financial resources. I remember I submitted the last three pay stubs and the affidavit of support. So I'm not sure what I need to uh, submit for this RFE. Uh, do you have any idea? Um, did the um, RFE list any okay. documents? Because sometimes the RFE will list specific documents that they, could they, be. They, yeah, they listed saying three consecutive month bank statement uh, mm -hmm. showing all the transaction and other cash assets. And again, they mentioned about the affidavit of support. So do I need an attorney help here or I can just export the statements from my bank, whichever bank I'm using and pay steps, everything and just upload on it because I filed it online. Yeah, it sounds pretty straightforward. Um, and sometimes, like I said, UCIS is always full of surprises. Sometimes they say you didn't submit something when you actually did. So in those instances, I just reattach them. Like I'll, I'll explain in the RFE, um, you know, this document was previously submitted, but please see as reattached as exhibit one or whatever. Um, so you can resubmit what you've already submitted if they're asking for it again, and then you can submit whatever additional um, documents that you have. Okay, so I, uh, I've applied it online, so I can just upload online right, to gather the documents and I can upload online. That should be fine. I don't know. I've never responded to an RFB online with the case that was filed online. Um, I'm not sure if you're going to have to, you may have to mail in the response. So uh, actually uh, uh, the extension we requested is Jan uh, first week. So assume if I give the required documents and they mentioned in the 
RFE saying that they might take a 60 days of time to respond to me. So at that time, by the time if they are responding, whether it's approved or denied, and I'll ask my parents to go in the December 1st, uh, January 1st week. So before the decision comes in, they left the country. So will if it is denied, will I be in a trouble? No, because if it's, I mean, if they've already left the country, you won't have a problem. So even though if you crossed 180 day, still the decision is pending. So I can, uh, it's better to leave before 180. That's your advice, right? Yeah, I mean, I always recommend for B2 folks to not stay longer than the date they requested the extension for. So if you requested the extension until January 10th, I always recommend people leave before January 10th because that's what you already, you know, that's all you requested for. Okay, so if I leave by 9th and the decision is whether it's success, approved or denied, doesn't matter since I left before I get the uh, uh, response. Yeah, right? I don't think it'll be a problem. Okay, so make sure you always leave before 180 respect your decision. That's the point, right? I, for, for, again, for B2 specifically, you know, because you be have safe. a defined date, yes. Mm -hmm. To play it safe, yes. Okay, so if it is December 10th, it's better to leave by uh, 10th, before 10th. Yes, sir. Because that's all you've requested validity for. Okay, in the letter, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, so last, last question, I just... So you say it's from the I-94 expiry date, right? The, the overstay counts. If it is denied, the overstay count starts from the I-94 expiry. Any denial will come from the, the date. Uh, your unlawful presence and all that, if it was a timely filed extension, will start the, from the date of denial. Denial. My yes. recommendation with B-2s is just look, you know, I would never tell anybody to stay longer than the date they had requested on the I-539. Okay, but the overstay counts, it starts after the denial, but it's Correct. better to leave from the I-90 for 180 days between this I-90 for expired. Okay. Yeah, I thank think you. that's fine. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, that'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thank you all for joining. Our next call will be tomorrow afternoon, I think at 3.30. Christina, thank you for joining. Thank Christina, you. forgot thank earlier, you. the name of your blog. Uh, name of your blog. For oh, navigateimmigration.com. All right, go make sure you guys subscribe to that and subscribe to our social media pages as well. Thank you. Also, also I think tomorrow, actually, it's at 4.30, Stephen. Oh, there we go. My mistake. <laughs> okay, thank you, everybody. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.